0: Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. We're in a series, and I've called it Getting on Top of Things or Getting on Top of It, It or Things, whatever's got you down or, or seems to be on top of you. It's no fun when something heavy is on top of you. I don't know if you've ever been... Uh, you know, a wrestling kind of person with maybe your siblings. I had two brothers. We wrestled a lot. Uh, sometimes the sisters, but not so much so. But if they'd ever get on top of you, you know, it's just really hard, like especially if they're a bit heavier or a bit bigger. Uh, it's just not a, it's not a good position to be when something heavy is crushing you. I remember as a, as a child, we went to the beach, and my, my brother had a main streak in him. He was a year and a half older, or is a year and a half older than me. And uh, he was very, very mischievous. So he would watch me build a sandcastle at the beach. And he'd he'd look at it and go, oh, man, that's just amazing. You know, keep going and be encouraging and all that. And then he'd come back up and kick the whole thing down and run off. And uh, he did that with building blocks. And and so, you know, I cottoned on to it relatively early. So when he'd come around, it was like, I don't care about your flattering words. Uh, get away from my sandcastle or whatever I'm building or we're going to be into it. And, uh, but I remember one time I, I dug a big hole at the beach, and, uh, and then I got in it, and he came over and he said, oh, you know, you, you should cover the sand up and no, uh, cover yourself up and nobody will even know that you're there. And so he proceeded to bury me in the sand with just my head sticking out. and I had no idea how heavy you know, a foot or so of sand can be on your whole body, and when I would exhale, the air would go out of my lungs, and I couldn't inhale. I was dying, and he was laughing, and somebody saw it and got me out just in time, but I thought, what a mongrel, but uh, when things are, (laughs) I didn't think mongrel, because we didn't say it back then in America. I don't know what the word would have been. Not even scumbag. there's a lot of words that I've picked up uh, since my time in Australia that are amazing words. uh scumbag and mongrels are two of them, uh, but I didn't have those in my arsenal when I go home, I can't use them so much either. Uh, I got to think so but uh, when something heavy is on top of you, it's just no fun. it's no place to be and, and this morning, we're going to look at something that tends to get on top of us and uh and sometimes. You know, we need to get on top of things because things are actually not just on top of us, but sometimes they get in the the inside of us and they want to uh, seek to to, uh, cause us to either give up or to blow up. And I want to look at a force this morning that will try and crush you if you don't get on top of it. It will try and get on top of you and sink your ship or get into you, and sometimes it already is. And that is the force of frustration. I don't know if you've ever been frustrated about somebody or something, but if you've been alive long enough, you definitely have. And sometimes it's the little things that have frustrated me the most because other things have piled on to join with those little things till a whole bunch of little things become a big, heavy thing, and then pretty soon I find myself under it. And we want to talk this morning about getting on top of frustration, gaining uh, power over the force, if you will, of frustration. Sometimes those little things could be as simple as just like a dripping tap at night when you're trying to sleep. And you're underneath the covers, and you think, oh, no, I can hear it. And I got to get up from my warm bed. This actually happened last night. And uh, I'm thinking, I just got, I'm almost asleep, but I can hear this. (laughs) And, you know, (laughs) so, okay. Out I go. turn on the lights. find the tap, turn the tap off, get back in bed. And, and then I'm not in bed, maybe five minutes, starting to doze off. and then I hear this wonderful noise. <coughs> 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 pause, pause, pause.. <coughs> okay. drippy tap, mosquito. I am getting frustrated not being able to sleep, so I'll go and find the fly spray, track the stupid thing down, and kill it, uh, because it's not going to give up. These things don't give up. The question is, are you going to give up, or are you going to blow up? And so, uh, in a bigger sense, though, if you have a dream, and I hope that all of us have something that we're shooting for in life, it could be raising your family, getting promoted at work, uh, building a business. Uh, it could be grand designs or even smaller designs, but big designs in, in, in your dream. And, and you'll come up against things that are they're just frustrating. It could be lack of time or, or a lack of money or, or disappointments because you've given it your all, and then whatever it was that you gave your all to didn't eventuate the way that you thought it would. Or, or it could be people that let you down. But the, uh, the truth is, if you don't get on top of whatever that is, it's going to stay on top of you until it crushes the life out of you. Have you ever wondered why am I going through this? What what is the purpose of this anyway? And, and where's God in all of this? Have you ever been through something that made you just want to give up? It's so frustrating that uh, that you just think, well, what's the point? This is just going to go on and on and on forever. And one of the questions that I ask myself during frustration, is this acceptable? Whatever this is, I'm either going to rise up and confront and defeat it, or I'm just going to accept it as my lot in life. And so a good question to ask if you find yourself in that position is, Is whatever it is that's frustrating me right now, is it acceptable? And if not, am I going to change it or am I going to lie down and just make it acceptable and and just live with it? Well, I'm here this morning to encourage you, don't accept it. Don't accept the unacceptable, uh, but get up and deal with it. See, frustration, it's not all bad all the time, because frustration can reveal things about you that need to change. Now, this is a a tough one. I I know that. But it can lead to, actually, your assignment in life. Some of the things that frustrate you, perhaps frustrate you for a purpose. And that purpose could be your assignment in life. We'll get to that in a moment. But uh, frustrations, they're either going to make you stronger Uh, Like a muscle, if you go to the gym, you've got to put that muscle under stress. Uh, You've got to put it under tension, if you will, or it doesn't grow. And, and, and that's the battle. It's why a lot of people don't go and work out because it's painful, and, and that's the only way that, that, that things are going to grow. And your faith and your character are only going to get bigger or stronger when they're put under resistance. And so frustration can, if you will, it can be a test, and it's there to test your patience and your resolve on how you're going to obey the vision or whatever it is that you see as your preferable future. So I want you to go with me over to Judges, chapter 3, in verse 1 to 5, and I want to read something here that really threw me when I read it. I had to do a double take, and I had to read it again, because it absolutely flew in the face of what I believe uh, about God, and how God operates, and the way that uh, I hear most prayers, and most of us would pray to get out of these things, and, and to totally avoid this, and then I read the scripture, listen to this, it says, these are the nations the Lord left, to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. Now, just a little bit of history here, but Israel had a commission. It was a nation with a commission, and that commission originally was given by Abraham, a man named Abraham, who's a patriarch, if you will, a father of this nation. And the, 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 the mandate for this nation of Israel, we're talking thousands of years ago, was to go into all of their world and show them a better way. They had the Philistines and the Canaanites, and they had uh, uh, all, all kinds of foreign uh, nations that were doing hideous things. They were taking babies, and I don't, don't want to get too graphic here, but you know, they were sacrificing people which is not a good thing, which is where uh, a lot of our missionaries, uh, even in the last century, found a lot of the countries they went into, they were eating people in some of these places like New Guinea, and they're having human sacrifices, and and even in the Amazon, I've been to some of the countries, and they've said some of the stories were just incredible before the missionaries came. Of course, the missionaries cop the blame for changing those uh, civilizations, but the whole story isn't usually told. And so uh, they, they had a mandate to go in and bless all the nations, Israel did, but God blessed them to be a blessing, but instead of blessing, they hoarded it all up. They thought, oh, this is good. Look at all the resources we've been given. This is wonderful. We are so blessed. Let's just be blessing each other and become a bless, bless me club, which is unfortunately a lot of churches today, not this one. And, and instead of going out and blessing and making a change, they, they, cons- they became a consumer, if you will. And so they had not tested or been tested. And, and so God says, uh, I, I left some of these, these people, these warriors there, to test those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. He did this only, verse 2, to teach warfare to the descendants Of the Israelites who had not had previous battle experience. I don't know if you've had battle experience or not, but it'll change your life. When you're in a battle about something that frustrates you and you stand up, and you do something about it, you will get stronger and stronger. Your resolve will get stronger and stronger. You'll you'll become a different person, a lot more cre- creative and, and courageous. In verse 3, and the five rulers of the Philistines and all the Canaanites, these are the people in these lands that Israel was to go in and to change, and the Sidonians and the Hivites living in the Lebanon mountains, Uh, from Mount Baal, Hermon, to uh, Lebo, Hamath, they were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's commands, which he had given their ancestors through Moses. I think that's amazing, because most of us want to skirt around things, We would rather God come down or send some angels or do something about the situation instead of facing up to the situation ourselves and getting on our battle uh, outfit and our resolve and our mindsets that I'm going to face this thing and I'm going to defeat it because I'm frustrated with putting up with it. Now, there are a lot of things in life that, like I said before, that frustrate me, but most of them don't don't amount to a hill of beans. Quite frankly, the frustration of driving on the freeways here and having people in a 110 zone doing 60, uh, you know, and in the, in, in they're in the right lane, which in, where I come from anyway, that's the fast lane. You know, move over. Just I don't care if, uh, you know, you're going 100 if, if, if it's 100. If I want to go 110, which I don't. I'm a pastor. I don't do that. You know, I, I never speed at all, do I? Uh, yeah. I've never, ever gotten more than, you know, three tickets in a year, which, which uh, almost, I'm almost, you know, I'm almost to my point uh, limit. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> I've scored so many points. It's amazing. Yeah. It's just, it's incredible, isn't it? It's a great feeling. You get that letter. It's got the pitch It's got your photo in there. It's got a picture of you in the car, driving the car. It's like, wow, that's me. What a great photo. I think I'll... I'll put that on my Instagram or something. Look, like a photo of me. And uh, then, then it tells you how many points you just earned. It's kind of like school, like brownie points. Hey, it's, it's exciting. Not. And, uh, but those kind of frustrations really aren't what I'm talking about. It is frustrating. I get that. But if that's all that you're frustrated about is those kind of pathetic little piddly things, which they really are, then you're not really stepping out and living. You're not stepping out into something, really, that you, you definitely need to be tested on because there's ground that God wants you to take as a follower of his that's way beyond just speeding and, and uh, you know, little frustrating things, standing in a queue or something at the shopping center, I, I don't, whatever it is, not being able to find a car park. If that's what you're frustrated about and that's your main frustration, let me put it this way, you're probably not living a very big life. And maybe you need to live a bigger life, but when God shows you something and He says, "Okay, here's what I want you to do," then it's up to you whether you're going to obey that and be obedient. And in doing that, you're going to get tested here. So he 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 puts these he he leaves these other nations uh, warriors there for them to be tested. I love the fact that in Exodus Exodus 15, 3, it says God is a God of war. We don't think of God that way usually, but he's a God of war. Why? Why would God be a God of war? Because I thought God was against war. Oh, I thought, Pastor Ed, that God is love. He is. But there's something about God's nature that hates injustice and iniquity we saw we sang that song about the mountains trembling and it has those words in it that that there's something about God because God is love that he hates injustice and he hates iniquity as a parent you can do a lot of things and I'll get upset but you know if you touch my kid there's just something that rises up on the inside. We just had a baby dedication, and, you know, I saw uh, three generations and, and four even on, uh, on Maryland's side of the family. And, and, and you can't raise those generations without having a, a, a terrible, like, a result that says iniquity is terrible. Anything that's going to hurt my lineage or my, 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 my children, it's, they're going to have to come through me to get to them. There's a resolve there because I I love, because I'm love. God is so much in love with you. Because God is love, he can't help but to love you. And because he loves you, he can't help but to hate anything that harms you. God is a God of war. So you must learn to wage war on whatever it is that is frustrating you. If you confront something, or let me put it this way, What you avoid to confront, you empower. I had, probably not unlike a lot of you, a person that just picked on me in high school. I mean, this guy was just a bully. And I remember one time, and I don't like to fight now, and I never did like to fight. I would avoid it as much as possible. But it came down to a point where I couldn't avoid it any longer. And... uh, and I remember uh, I was in the showers, and, and back in our high school, the locker room, the showers, you know, everybody was naked in front of everybody. I can't put it any other way. And, you know, I was in the shower there, and this guy came in. You're in your birthday suit, for goodness sakes, you know? It's like, here he goes, and I'm in the shower. It's like, okay, what am I going to do? And he pushed me up against the, the side, the, you know, the, the hot water's going, everything. He pushes me up against the thing, and I thought... I'm so vulnerable right now, and I so don't want to fight. We just had uh, track and field. I, I ran the two-mile. I was t- dog-tired, and I'm standing there. Here he comes again. I thought to myself, you know, this is it. And, I, you know, I just totally lost it. And, you know, and, and I did do the better on him. He ended up, you know, like on the, on the floor in the shower there, the water running and everything. And I didn't feel good about it at all. But you know what? That, that finished it. He didn't pick on me after that. That that was the end of that. And his taunting and and everything else, uh, it stopped. And sometimes whatever it is that's frustrating you, I'm not advocating violence against other people. I'm not saying go out and punch somebody that's, you know, frustrating you. I'm not talking about road rage or, you know, anger like that. But sometimes whatever it is that's 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 nagging like that, gnawing like continuous thing, If you don't confront it, it just gets stronger and stronger and stronger in your life. That's why I said, is it acceptable or not acceptable? And you have to make up your mind. Is this thing something I'm just going to accept it and live with it? Or does it matter and this is unacceptable and I'm not going to live with it and I need to confront it because if I don't confront it, it will become stronger and more powerful. And so when you don't confront your enemy, your enemy becomes stronger and you become weaker. And, and, and I love the fact that history is full of men and women who stood up to things instead of tolerating those things. They they waged war against the enemies of peace. I think about Moses. It was like they're in, in, in Egypt, and his people are in slavery, and they're getting uh, saddled with more and more work. They didn't... Uh, they, they were getting, like, uh, locked, locked in with not just making uh, mud bricks and everything, but the Pharaoh increased the, the numbers, and it just became more and more and more of a burden. And finally, you know, him being the prime minister, he finally steps down, has a burning bush encounter. God God says to him, I've given you a mandate. You've got to go to Pharaoh. You've got to say, let my people go. That frustration finally turned into action, and he became an emancipator of uh, of Israel out of Egypt. Think of King David with the Philistines and, and, and Goliath. Goliath was like uh, that dripping tap. He's down there in the valley, bellering out insults over the, God's army. They're in the valley there for 40 days and 40 nights. And, and, and the nation of Israel and the armies of Israel, which probably were plenty big enough to take on these Philistines, yeah, they're, they're, they're intimidated and they're in fear until a shepherd boy finally says, you know, enough is enough. Is God big enough or or, or not let's find out so he gets his five smooth stones and his slingshot which is all that he's really got and he goes and he confronts that and takes down that giant job done I think about Deborah, and I think about Joshua, and Caleb, and Esther. I think about, even within the last couple centuries, William Wilberforce. If you haven't seen his story, you need to go and watch the documentary on him, but he's, he's a British parliamentarian, he's a, he's a leader in the British Parliament, and, and he comes to the conclusion in, from his faith in Jesus Christ that slavery is wrong. And so he goes to parliament, and, and I don't know how many years it took him to, to have uh, slavery abolished through Great Britain and the, and the United Kingdom, but he gets the job done because God gave him a dream and God gave him a mandate and he became so frustrated with these you know, these people with wigs on uh, in, in Parliament there doing nothing about this while there was human trafficking that he does something about that through his resolve as a believer. I think about Joan of Arc in, in, in France. The, she was the saint of Orleans. She was uh, the one that emancipated France as a believer. She has this vision, and she stands up, and she does something that the men were afraid to do. I think about even more recently in the last, you know, 50 or 60 years, Dr. Martin Luther King. He was a Baptist pastor. A lot of people forget that. There's high schools named after him and streets named after him in America, and there's a public holiday, and there's hardly anybody that doesn't know who Dr. Martin Luther King is. But what did he do? As a Baptist pastor reading his Bible, he discovered that there was inequality and that the U.S. Constitution had already dealt with that, that all men are created equal. Why are, why are we then put to the back of the bus, have to use separate toilets, separate drinking fountains, and treated so differently, not able to eat, in restaurants with white people, if if all men are created equal, then why aren't I equal, and why aren't my people equal? And so he rises up, and the civil rights movement moves ahead in America to the point, even after his assassination, you know, they dealt with business and they got the job done, and now black people, well, at least according to the law, are are, uh, are equal. But that was a Baptist pastor that did that. These people were all committed people, Christians, or committed to serving God. I think about Australia's current prime minister, Scott Morrison, is a follower of Jesus Christ. We need to pray for him and to support him uh, because I believe great changes, great changes can happen in this country. So in uh, Judges, back to Judges again, Israel serves an oppressive king, and they're fighting for eight long years to be free. Seven is a complete uh, number of completion. It means enough. Eight is more than enough. And so there's a man that stands up at the end of this time now in Judges 3, verse 9, and he said, enough is enough. He gets his resolve to not just put up with this frustration of being a slave again. And it says, but when they cried out, to the Lord. This is something that uh, is coming out from the inside of you. I've had enough of this. This thing is not just going to frustrate me to the point where I lie down and take it. This is unacceptable. This is never going to be acceptable. So they cried out to the Lord, and he raised up for them a deliverer, Othniel. Now, the word Othniel in the Hebrew means this. It means force of God. There is a Force of frustration, whatever's wrecking your peace, but there is a greater force and That is the spirit of God and the force of God. He was the son of Canaas and he was Caleb's younger brother. I love that because Caleb was one of the two spies that went into the Promised Land into Canaan, came back with a good report. Yet the other ten out of the twelve didn't believe in that. Joshua and Caleb said, "We're more than enough. Let's go in. Let's take this land. Let's let's uh, let's let's eat the fruit from, from this land." And yet. The other ten said, no, 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 we're just grasshoppers. Uh, let's just put up with this. Let's just wander in, in the Sinai for 40 long years and put up with it. Mm-hmm. Well, Caleb finally got in at 85 or 84 years old. He went. He said, I want the mountain with the giants on it. Give me that one. He went up and he took it, even in his old days. Now, he, he has a, a younger brother named Othniel, force of God. You don't hear much about him. But it says the Spirit of the Lord, verse 10, came on him so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. There's something about when the Spirit of God comes on a person that you get some kind of resolve that you don't have in the natural. You've got something of power that will help you to stand up and to deal with whatever it is that's frustrating you. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he went to war. He didn't just sing kumbaya. He didn't lie down and say, I'll pray about it. He got up and he went to war. And the Lord gave uh, this other king of Aram into his hands, the hands of Othniel, who overpowered him. Some of us are getting overpowered because we're not uh, letting the Spirit of God come upon us or rise up out of us. We're lying down and getting crushed in heaven. The, the wind taken out of us, whereas the Spirit of God is referred to as the pneuma or the wind of God. It's the breath of God. It will inflate your tire when it's flat like nothing else. It'll cause you to get up off your backside and it'll cause you to stand up and to deal with the situations that are that are robbing you of peace and so the land had peace for 40 years until Othniel the son of Canaz died you see frustration isn't a physical force it's something that we often don't feel the need to fight against because it's not physical it can be physical things that we don't like but the force itself is not a physical thing. You can't uh, grab a hold of frustration like a piece of wood or, or or metal or something like that. And so, frustration can't be eliminated by physical means. It's 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 defeated by a spiritual force, which is the Spirit of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I love the fact that. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians, it says in verse 10, verse 4, it says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world, or the old King James said, they're not carnal. They're not physical weapons. They're they're not the weapons of this world either. We don't fight, you know, uh, uh, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, and I'm going to get angry and, and belt you because you got angry, uh, you know, and hit me. Uh, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds complaining about your situation, fighting it out in the flesh, whinging about it is not going to solve it. Staying silent and putting up with it is not going to solve it. Solving it will solve it. How do we solve things that are frustrating us? I was going to give you uh, a few of these things. I uh, Number one, by standing up to whatever it is or whoever it is that's frustrating you. I think I've pretty well covered that. You've got to stand up. But don't stand up in your own power, in your own strength. Get up in God. Stand up in the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God cause you to rise up and see that God is for you. Number two, if you're taking notes, number two is by seeking God for a solution. Sometimes the things that are frustrating me the most, uh, I don't know how to solve them, to be quite frank, but God does, and so I will go to God in prayer, and I'll say, show me how to solve this thing, and sometimes it's 3, 4 a.m., it doesn't really matter, whenever God can get my attention, and get me to get my eyes off the problem, and quit complaining about it, and quit trying to just work it out in my own head, and God will speak to me, And and the solution is usually really easy, really straightforward, and I'll go, Wow. I never saw that before. That's amazing. I know exactly what to do now. But you've got to seek God for a solution. Number three is by setting your eyes on the solution. Get your eyes off the problem. Look at the problem long enough to get God's solution for it, and then forget about that. I'm going to focus on the solution from this point on. I'm going to solve it because it's not going to go away. And number four This is really critical by speaking up to it as if it were already solved. There's something about the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, that causes us to speak up and to stop speaking down. Whinging doesn't cause it to go away, it just amplifies its power. Complaining doesn't cause it to go away, it empowers it. But when you start to speak up, and up means up to heaven, and you start to speak about the solution and start to speak about it as if it was already solved, then faith kicks in, which calls things which be not, as though they were, and you get the power to overcome it. Number five is by staying on the course until it is resolved or solved. You have to stick with it. That's why these, these enemies were left in there to test whether Israel would obey God or not. Obedience is incredibly important. Obedience is your resolve. I'm not quitting. God showed me how to resolve this. God showed me what to do. God showed me who to confront or what to confront. I'm going to stay the course until this thing gets resolved. And until then, I'm going to speak up and I'm not going to speak down and whinge and complain about it and get empowered and get a bunch of people to complain with me. If it's uh, that boss at work or that situation at work that's got you down or, or how unfair the company is or, you know, the economy or the government, you know, oh, you know they're out to get us and all, all this other stuff. If you look for it, you'll get conspiracy theories coming out your eyeballs. The whole world will be against you. And if you believe that, get ready to get defeated by it. But if you would dare to seek God for a solution, let God show you something and let God show you how to solve that thing and start to speak the highest vocabulary, which is the vocabulary of faith. God will show you a way out. God will show you uh, uh, the way to solve that problem. And if you start to speak to that and get your resolve, God, spirit will fill you and you will find your way out of that this difficult situation amen thank you for listening to the city church podcast if you enjoyed this message or god worked through you in any way then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at infocity churchnet